All right, guys, welcome. You're, uh, you're in for a treat with Dr. Kay Fairchild and just uh, 60 seconds of housekeeping. Some of you guys know um, one of the, the benevolence ministries we work with in our Freedom Ministries is called Inspire 100, and it's, it's really uh, uh, taking care of single moms and their kids, whether it's their car repairs, their home repairs, their dental work, their just bills like uh, to me, they're the modern day widows and orphans a lot of times and get uh, neglected. I was uh, uh, the youngest of seven with a single mom, so understand it. So I just wanted to say thank you. We, some of you guys saw a couple of weeks ago with Nashandra Hill in New Orleans. She's a, a single mom, six kids, very similar to how I grew up. And uh, <clears throat> so we got the, the storage pod ordered. She had a fire in the house. And so Inspire's taking care of the renovation costs and um, uh, redoing the bathrooms that were destroyed by the fire, the master bedroom, et cetera. So I just want to thank you for all that, for everything you guys have done with that. We, we really appreciate that. And so anyway, let me, let me talk about Dr. K a little bit. Um, if you haven't heard her, she's awesome. In my opinion, she's one of the true full on finished grace, full works of Christ. Um, there's certain people that are halfway and I, and I think she just goes the whole way and above and, and, um, if you haven't, uh, if you go to Amazon and just Dr. Kate Fairchild, you'll see her books there. And uh, the one on Revelation is just awesome. If you guys are worried about the scary God, and uh, as she puts it, uh, uh, bugs as big as Volkswagens, if you read it, <laughs> it's pretty funny to me. But it's really, it's powerful. It's, it's the revelation of Jesus is what it is. It's, it's, it's nothing to be scared of. It's actually beautiful and living out of your spiritual resources, etc. And so I don't want to take too much time, but I'd recommend all the books, actually. In fact, I've got uh, Barb and I are just going through Living Out of the Spiritual Resources again. I, I always get this backwards with the camera, volume two. And uh, her, her book on no penal substitution is just powerful. So she's got free range. I'll let her share whatever she wants to share with you people. But uh, uh, anyway, Dr. K, thanks so much for making the time. And uh, the stage is yours. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mike. I have also gone through a few of your things and your ministry is awesome as well meeting a lot of people reaching a lot of people and i believe we're living in a time where it's a great awakening people are beginning to wake up to who they have always been from before time ever began and uh, i did write that book quite a few years ago living out of your spiritual resources and the basis of that book was taken really from two basic scriptures Ephesians 1, 3 and 2 Peter 1, 3. Ephesians 1, 3 says that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. 2 Peter 1, 3 says he's given us all things, not a few things, but all things that pertain to life, natural life, and godliness, spiritual life. And so as I began to look at those scriptures in a different light, I began to realize that true supply is invisible. True supply is invisible. What does that mean? That means that supply, true supply is not the food on our table, the car that we drive, the house that we live in, the clothes that we wear, but true supply, those things, the car, the house, the clothes, the food, and so forth, are simply the forms that supply, that true supply assumes. Therefore, when we have an apparent problem, and that's what I call them, an apparent situation, we don't have a problem to solve, but we have truth to waken up to. I believe that truth, that is truly the truth, has always been the truth. 
And the truth that we really need to wake up to is the fact that there's only one power. The truth that we need to wake up to is that our Father has always been the health of our body as us, always been the finances, always been every need that we could ever think of. Our Father has always been that in us as us. Now, when we talk about prayer, because in Living on Your Spiritual Resources, there's a lot in there about prayer. And I believe that the highest form of prayer that we can pray is simply to see the whole earth, this earth, that earth out there, full of the glory of God. When we can come into that acknowledgement and that realization, then we don't have to ask the Father to give us things because when we ask the Father to give us things, that's really a duality because he's done all that he can do already. He revealed the cross. He revealed he exposed the lies in his death. And he revealed the truth about who we had always been from before the foundation of the world in his resurrection. So what we have to realize is that we don't pray to God to get something, but we pray from something that is already an accomplished fact. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is. And what I hear out of that is the isness of the Father, the nowness of the Father. In other words, everything that I have an apparent need of is already in invisible supply on the inside of me. And as I come to that realization, you see, our awareness is a projector. And when we sow, proper seeds into our awareness it will eventually manifest outwardly just like a womb a woman gets pregnant nine months later that womb goes into labor and projects that baby out so our awareness god fashioned our awareness as a projector or a womb peter talks about the womb of the mind and depending on what we sow into our consciousness our individual awareness that is what will eventually be projected out into manifestation now, and you know, you want to jump in here, just jump in, or did you want me to just continue on? I, I love it. No, you're I'm okay. just nodding okay. in agreement because I'm, I'm okay. I, it's beautiful. So if you want me okay. to say anything, otherwise I'll just let you go. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, I like, I like the scripture in second Corinthians four seventeen and 18, because it really bears this out. And it talks there about our light affliction, which is but for a moment. While we look not at the things that are seen or the things in the appearance realm, but while we look at the things that are unseen or the eternal things, while we focus on the invisible, while we focus on what is already true about us, then that light affliction is not going to last for very long because our awareness is going to project the manifestation of that outwardly. I use a little model from time to time, and I say, where focus goes, energy flows. Where focus goes, energy flows. Now, I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about just merely positive thinking, but I'm talking about the Christ mind, those seeds being sown into our consciousness, our individual conscious awareness. It will eventually project outwardly. One of the things that religion has taught us that has really been very erroneous the reason they've taught us this is because they see more than one power. Now, I'll agree, when you have sickness, it feels like a power. It, you know, death certainly does want us to think that it has a power. But there's only one power, and that's the power of God. And from Spirit's perspective, 
nothing in and of itself has any power except the power we give it by believing that it is a power. But what we have done in the body of Christ, and especially in religious teaching, is we have tried to get a greater power to overcome what we believe to be a lesser power. But what we need to realize is that nothing other than Father, Spirit, Christ's mind, nothing has any power in and of itself except the power we give it by believing that it is a power. Now, someone might say, well, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it talks about principalities and powers in the high places. Well, the high places is our mind. We have accepted that there are other powers. We have accepted the fact that we have believed because religion taught us that there's a power of this, there's a power of that. I mean, look out into the world. It looks like there's a whole bunch of different powers in operation, but really there's only one power. Paul the Apostle said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.22. He said, abstain, shrink back from every appearance of evil. So what is he calling an evil appearance, simply an appearance. He's calling evil an appearance. And of course, we know in Genesis, this is what got the woman in trouble. It says there that the food looked good for food or good to eat and looked pleasant to the eyes. And that's in Genesis 3 and verse 6. So the serpent wasn't a talking snake beside her talking to her. But I believe the serpent represented her flesh or the five senses because the fruit looked like it was good for food, it was pleasant to the eye, and so she was led by the outer five senses, or we could say she was led by the appearance realm, what she saw, what it looked like, how she felt. Now, what we have done in the church many times, and I'm saying in the religious setting of the church, we have been so led by appearance realm things, whether it's sin, sickness, death, poverty, whatever it is, We've been so led by those things and giving those things a power that we have created an illusion. Now, I'm not saying those things are an illusion, but we have created a, an illusion. And an illusion means to look at something in such a way as to misinterpret its true nature. So we've looked at sickness and then we've misinterpreted the true nature. What is the nature of sickness? Well, Isaiah said that it is nothing. He talked about the nations which symbolically represent imaginations he said they are nothing and then he even went further than that and he said they are less than nothing the imaginations from the lower thoughts are nothing they are less than nothing so that would include any appearance whether it's sickness whether it's poverty no matter what it appears to be it has no true substance in it if god did not create it and of course we know god did not make sickness he did not make sin he did not make poverty so therefore those things have no true substance because they're not of god now i certainly believe god can use those things when we you know experience those things but i'm simply saying if god did not create it it has no true substance so therefore when we look at an apparent need in our life we set up an illusion because we misinterpret the true nature of the thing and we give it power that it does not have I remember years ago when I taught living out of our spiritual resources, I stood in front of my congregation and I made a very strong statement. I had been through a lot of illness and a lot of surgical procedures. At one point was given three days to live. And I said to the congregation, I said, I've never been sick a day in my life. 
Well, of course, they knew I had been sick a lot. Well, I wasn't. My body experienced some sickness and experienced some symptoms, but my being, who I am in Christ, has never been sick a day in my life. And I went through all of that, and I realized as I was learning these things, these were things that I was taught when I was going through all of that sickness and the surgical procedures and given three days to live. I was learning these things that there's only one power. God is the health of my body as me. And it just began to catch me and it began to sink in. It began to be conceived within the womb of my awareness. And eventually I came out of that and I've uh, been great ever since. And of course I've been well for over 20 years now, haven't had any symptoms or, or surgeries or anything. Now, one of the things that was quickened to me very deeply when I went through that was a verse of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, and I'm sure most people know this by heart, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added. Now, I kind of paraphrase that and change that a little bit because I don't like the word added. How can you add to allness? He is all in all as all. So how can we add to all this? So I, re, I quote it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, turn within because the kingdom is within. Seek ye first or turn within to the deepest part of your being. And as you turn within and begin to live from the inside out, then all of these things will be unfolded. Not added in the sense that we think of added, but unfolded from the invisible realm to the visible realm. But what we've been taught is we've been taught to fight, to have a warring mentality, to bind and to lose, rather than to rest in what already is. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, evidence of things not seen. So what we need to do is we need to, as Isaiah said in Isaiah 2.4, beat our weapons into plowshares and study war no more. Learn of war no more. And as we do that spiritually, then we'll begin to experience that our awareness will begin to project out that which we already had, which our Father already gave us from before time ever began. Another thing that really was quickened to me when I was going through all of this was simply that invisible supply, true supply is invisible. So everything, I look at everything that manifests in my life as spirit. I believe we, because we came out of the Father, we are spirit slowed down to visibility. So I look at, whenever I sow those seeds in my awareness, and they begin to be projected out as manifestation, I look at the manifestation as spirit. And what I have found out is if I will look at everything that manifests as spirit, because it came out of spirit, it came out of invisible spot, if I'll look at them that way, then they will eventually become fruit that remains rather than fruit that's here today and gone tomorrow. It'll be something that I'll begin to just perpetually experience. And so I've seen that happen within my life. I've seen that difference as I have looked at the things that manifested, whether it's, you know, my home, my clothes, my food, whatever it is, I've looked at that as spirit slowed down to visibility. And it brought me to the place to where it, it's just a constant. I think there's scripture in the Old Testament that talks about the perpetual blessing overtaking us. It just flows. It just constantly flows within our life. Now, what I'd like to do is just give a few examples, because I know a lot of people, you know, they hear this uh, 
for some people hear it and they think, you know, even people that are in grace and finished work, a lot of times they struggle with this one power thing. But I want to just give some examples of people in the scriptures that utilized and that sowed into their awareness the proper seeds. And the first one that I think of is in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 27. And of course, it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they would not bow down to the king. So they were thrown into this furnace that was heated seven times. In other words, it was heated so hot, it should have destroyed itself. It was, it was heated up so hot. It had never been heated up that hot before. And it says there in Daniel 3, 27, I'm going to paraphrase it. It says there that they gave no power to the fire. In other words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego focused upon one power and one power alone, and that was the power of God. And as a result, the scripture says we can read it, their bodies were not burned, their hair was not singed, the you know, smell of smoke was not upon their clothes. Why? Because they sowed seeds of goodness and kindness. They sowed seeds of, of the word of God into their awareness and so therefore it projected out and it kept them safe now when paul said in galatians 4 verse 19 i travail again until christ be formed in you i believe that's talking about formed in the awareness because paul the apostle knew that once the word of god was formed in their awareness that they were going to have the manifestation that they needed within their lives you know Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4, he taught the parable of the sower sowing the seed. And he talked about the good ground. And he said, when the, the seed is sown in the good ground, and then I think it's in Mark 4, he called the ground the heart, the heart awareness. And so in that parable, what he was trying to show us is if we will sow spirit seeds into our heart awareness, that's where we're going to experience the manifestation. And we have so many today that are looking for manifestation. What we need is manifestation. What we need is manifestation. Are you sowing? Are you bringing the mind of Christ? From, and I use it in the series I'm teaching now on mind-brain connections. I use it as the right hemisphere being symbolic of the Christ mind. Bringing that Christ mind over to the, to the left side, which is the human you know, reasoning and intellect and that sort of thing and allowing the left side to be yielded to the Christ mind on the right side. And so I believe that if, if we can do that, that, that's the big thing today. If we can do that, if we can spend some time in meditation and pondering some of these truths and bringing that Christ mind and those spirit thoughts to the left side, to our feminine principle, our feminine principle is going to serve us well and it's going to birth the manifestation that we have need of within our lives. David even said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Meaning, now that doesn't mean that if he thinks wrongly in his heart, he's going to become someone else. But what that is saying is, as a man thinks in his heart slash awareness, so will his experience be. He'll experience that. Because that's the womb. That's where the, the birthing comes out from, is from the feminine principle of our being as we bring that masculine principle of that Christ mind or spirit thoughts over to the left side. Another example that I love is in Acts chapter 16, where it talks about Paul and Silas. And of course, we all know they spent some time in prison. 
And instead of begging God to deliver them and asking God to get them out of that place that they were in, I guess they were in the worst part of the prison. It wasn't, you know, too pleasant for them to be in there. They didn't ask God anything. What it says is that they sang hymns and they praised God. And as a result, we know what happened. I believe that they focused on one power. <clears throat> and as they focused on that one power, the earthquake comes. And we know the story from that point on. I liken that to Revelation where it talks about the thundering and the lightning and the earthquake. The thundering is the voice or the message. The lightning is the spirit quickening that message. And then the earthquake is the manifestation. So Paul and Silas, by focusing on one power, by singing hymns and praising God, what happened? What was in their awareness was projected out in the form of the manifestation of the earthquake and delivered them out of that place. Another scripture, Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 11, and I didn't understand this one for a long time. I thought, what could it mean? Is he satisfied and content with holes in his shoes and, and not enough supply? But what he said there was that he was content in whatsoever state he found himself in. And I found out years later after I had you know, thought about that verse a lot of times, the word content means unaffected by. So Paul the Apostle was saying where he said he was content in whatsoever state he found himself in, he was saying he was unaffected by it. In other words, his focus was not on appearances, but his focus was on one. It was on one power. It was on one presence. And he continually filled his awareness, his feminine principle, with the truth of the word of God, with the seeds of God. Another example we find in Second Chronicles 32 and verse 8, this is where armies were coming against Israel and the men were scared to death and they went to Hezekiah and they said, you know, what are we going to do? We're outnumbered. We're going to be slaughtered today. So Hezekiah goes to the Lord in prayer or meditation or contemplation. And the answer comes back to Hezekiah that their enemies were simply an arm of flesh, an arm of flesh, which means they had no power whatsoever. So what did they do? Well, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Another scripture or another story we can allude to here is that when Moses and the children of Israel were in the wilderness, Moses never picked up enough manna for the next day. And the reason was, was because he knew invisible supply. He knew that supply was infinite. He knew the I am that I am, the self-existent one that is whatever apparent need you have. And so he trusted in that. He had that revealed to him at the burning bush. I am that I am. Tell them I am that I am sent you. And then another thing that I think is key here and that religion has taught us, and that is that we are to use the power of God rather than to allow the power of God to use us. Now, I explain that by saying in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, verse 26, God made man in his image after his likeness, and he said, have dominion. He didn't say take it. He didn't say fight for it. He didn't say bind and loose for it. He simply said, have dominion. And I liken that to Jesus because the scripture says, and Jesus said this many times, that he did not do anything but what he saw the Father do. He did not say anything but what he heard the Father say. What was he doing? He wasn't using the power of God. He was allowing the power of God within him to use him. And he was resting 
It was resting in the Father, and as a result, his ministry was very successful. He wasn't using the power of God. He was allowing the power of God to use him because he only did what he saw the Father do. And he only spoke what he heard the Father speak. So what is this saying? This is simply saying that to have dominion, we must rest in what is already ours. We must rest in what is already true about us. Now, I believe that there's a real awakening happening today, but I do believe there's a process to this awakening. And I'd like to just share that by way of four words that I want to share. I say to people, let me introduce you to the Meta family, M-E-T-A, the Meta family. And then we talk about metanoia, metathesis, metamorpho, and metaschismatismo. Now, the word repent, we know, is metanoia. And, of course, that means to what? To change our thoughts or draw our thoughts out of the Christ mind or change the place where we draw our thoughts from. Let's draw our thoughts from the right side as opposed to the left side, the lower thoughts or the carnal thoughts. Let's draw our thoughts from the, from the right, from the masculine principle or from spirit. And then the next one is metathesis, and the word thesis means a position. So in other words, our awareness needs to change from there being more than one power to realize that there's only one power. I believe that we need to have a change in our awareness as to how we came here. You know, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says that we came here upright, but we came up with a lot of inventions and schemes about that uprightness. And religion has told us, well, you know, we're sinners and we're unrighteous and we're unholy and that's how we came here. But I really do not believe that we came here. I think, I think when we came forth to this earth and when we were old enough to either reject or receive the truth, I believe that we received a lot of religiosity and we fell asleep. Or in other words, we got amnesia and we forgot who we were. And so I believe that in this metathesis, we need to come to the realization that we didn't come here with an Adamic identity or with a sinful nature. I think the great exchange that many people talk about is between our ears and in our awareness. And that is this metathesis. We, we, there has to be a change from there being more than one power. There has to be a change in our awareness from thinking that we came here with an Adamic identity and that we came here with a sinful nature and we needed to come to Jesus and get all of that changed. Scripture says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost was between our ears. It was our awareness. And as Colossians 1.21 says, we were alienated or we had this sense of separation from the Father. And we were enemies, or we can even say sinners, in our mind. And so what happened to us, as I said earlier, when we became old enough to be able to reject or embrace truth, we heard a lot of religiosity, and we embraced the lie, and we forgot who we were. Now, thank God, our hippocampus is no longer being shrunk by religion. We're beginning to remember the truth, and we're beginning to remember who we always were. And that's why I say that when Jesus went to the cross, his death absorbed and his death exposed the lies that we embraced, but his resurrection revealed the truth of who we had always been. One of the meanings of resurrection means the recovery of spiritual truth. The recovery of spiritual truth it means to gather our faculties. It means to rise and to advance in spiritual truth. But it also means the recovery of spiritual truth. So we're finding out and we're discovering a lot of things 
in this hour that we're living in. The next one, number three, is metamorpho, and metamorpho is a Greek word which simply means we project out of us what we have placed within our awareness. In other words, it means to give outward expression to that which is true of us inwardly. And then the last one, metaschismatismo, in Philippians 3.21, it states, who shall change, that's metaschismatismo, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Now, let me say this. I don't believe we ever had a vile body. I don't believe we came here with a vile body. I believe we came here with a redeemed body because 1 Thessalonians 5.22 in the Amplified says that we were sanctified through and through spirit, soul, and body. And then when you get into Romans chapter 8, it talks about the redemption of the body, and it says to wit the redemption of the body. And the words to wit are old English for to know. So we just thought we had a vile body. You see, so this metaschismatismo is really referring to us, you know, changing our awareness concerning our physical body. Because I believe that, that we have been redeemed, as First Thessalonians 5.23 says in the Amplified, through and through. We have whole man redemption. Problem is, we haven't known that. And so we have suffered a lot of things. So we've got the process of awakening. We've got metanoia to draw our thoughts from the Christ mind. We've got metathesis, know our position and know the position that we've had from before time, become aware of that. Metamorpho, it'll cause us to give outward expression to what is true of us inwardly as we put the right seeds in our awareness, which will cause then a metaschismatismo. We will awaken to the fact that we never had a vile body that we've always been bone of this bone and flesh of this flesh. Now, another scripture that a lot of people have a problem with is where Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I do not believe that as a result of Jesus coming to earth and going to the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, I don't believe he brought us a different life. I believe we always had life. But this is what it means where it says he came that we might have life and more about, have that more abundantly. The word have means to conceive. Well, where do we conceive it? In our awareness. So he came that we might have the realization that we have always had life. And as he reveals that to us through the resurrection, then we really begin to subjectively experience that life. So objectively, we've always had life, the life of the Father, the life of the Spirit. But we forgot that. We got that amnesia. We forgot it. So Jesus' resurrection brings back the truth, reveals the truth that we've always had life. We just forgot it. And so he reveals the truth that we may subjectively begin to experience that life and experience it more abundantly. Now, people say many times, well, what did Jesus mean when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished? And I found this very interesting. I Googled this one day, and I found out that the word it means the baffling wind of self. In other words, the lie that we embraced about ourselves. So what was the I that Paul was talking about in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I have been crucified with Christ? The I was his false knowing of himself. And we'll always act like the person we believe ourselves to be. So the eye of us and the eye of Paul the Apostle there in Galatians 2.20 that was crucified 
was our false mindset that we had embraced as a result of the religiosity that was taught to us. I think one of the things that people really need to uh, come to grips with and understand is that sin, singular, means mistaken identity. Sins, plural, is that which manifests outwardly because you'll always act like the person you believe yourself to be. Sins, plural, represent the symptoms of the sin, the disease of mistaken identity. And so I think it's a very important thing for people to come to grips with and to realize the difference between sin and sins. Sin is mistaken identity. Sins is that which is manifested outwardly because of you having the awareness of mistaken identity and not knowing who you have always been from before the foundation of the world. You know, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, maybe around verse 19. It tells us there that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. Not himself to the world, because he was never separate from the world. But reconciling the world unto himself. And one of the meanings of reconcile there means to agree. So God was in Christ Jesus reconciling us unto him, or to get us to agree that we were always one in him, that we were never, ever separate from him. And so, you know, that's pretty much what I wanted to share here today. Uh, I did a series of teachings uh, about five or six years ago that I called the awareness factor. And it totally changed my life when I began to see that it wasn't a Adamic identity. It wasn't a sinful nature, but it was between my ears. It was in my awareness that I, I needed salvation there. And so uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a real ride, and it's been a real awakening. And then from that awareness factor, I went on, and I, I began to teach original sin uh, versus original blessing. And I really began to open that up, and life has been totally different ever since then. You know, one of the things that I found also, that if you measure anything in the Old Testament, or if you, if you read anything in the Old Testament that was measured in cubits, no matter what it was, like for example, a cubit is 18 inches. Let's say, for example, uh, there's a, the dimension of a, a thing is 30. So you would take 30 times 18, which is 540. Then you'd add 540, you get 9. So everything that was measured in cubits, every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, everything, when you do the math, will bring you to the number 9. And 9 is the number of awareness and consciousness. So it's all about the awareness. It's all about the consciousness. Well, that was a masterpiece, guys. And uh, I love it. I love the... See, I, you're, I think you're a lot like me in the sense that I'm actually excited. I'm very hopeful about what's going on in the world today. And, and a lot of people are, you know, like, like you talk about in your book of, of Revelation, they're, they're worried about these bugs as big as Volkswagens. And it's it's really this beautiful message, guys, that Dr. K, I, I just think, nailed it, um, that uh, just as a husband and wife come together and they birth children, we don't, we don't look at our children and go, oh, what dirty sinners. We look at them and they go, they're perfect. This was yeah. birthed out of pure love. And really what she's talking about, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is just the awareness, guys, is really this reality that you are, the truth about you in spirit, it always has been. You've always been perfectly loved sons and daughters. 
You're, you've always had divine provision. You've always had divine health. Everything has always been yours. And that resurrection life, that Christ life is, is like she's describing is just becoming aware of these amazingly too good to be true gospel of who you are. Yes. Well, you know, once we understand that to us, now I know that the book of Revelation, you know, was fulfilled in a literal sense to Israel when Titus and the Roman soldiers went in and plundered the city of Jerusalem and destroyed all of their uh, sacrificial artifacts and everything. But to us, I believe that we must see the book of Revelation. It says he sent and signified it unto John by his angels. Signified means it's written in sign and symbol. Yes. And I have, yes, and I have incorporated some of the book of Revelation into my mind-brain connection series that we're doing right now. And, and we're applying it to our physical body because what is written in Revelation, a lot of it surrounds the temple. Well, our body is the temple. A lot of it surrounds the throne. Well, our throne is a place we rule from, and we don't rule in the throne apart from the Christ mind brought to our awareness. Yeah, guys, she, she's, uh, I don't know where you're on now, 70-something in the, the, the mind-brain connection. Number 83. Oh, <laughs> I'm behind. <laughs> but, Number 83. Uh, yeah, she, I talk a lot about the cerebrum and the cherubim like she does, but she really goes in depth, guys, just that you, know ye not, ye are the temple of the living God, of the Spirit of God. You're his masterpiece. You're his he dwells in you and he's one with you and he's seamless with you. And, and if you want to really get some awesome symbolism and really how to interpret scripture, I, I'd recommend all of those. And so anyway, we just, uh, uh, is my wife here? I want to, this is also my girlfriend, people that don't make it confused. Yep. So she's, I want to introduce you. Hello there. She, she's been nice my girlfriend, also my wife for 28 years. In fact, it's our anniversary today. So we appreciate you yeah. pinch hitting oh. for it. So we could just enjoy ourselves and enjoy you. Well, happy anniversary. Yeah. So anyway, hey, guys, we're going to we're going to send uh, Dr. K a, a nice honorarium. We appreciate you. And uh, we hope this isn't the, the last. We, I'd love you to come back and share some more deeper in some of these concepts that you have. So if you want to if you want to give, you can go to freedomministries.org and just in the comments, put Dr. K. And so anyway, love and appreciate you. That was awesome. Thank and, you. Uh, very, very rare where. I don't have to go, oh, why did they have to add that? <laughs> so that was pure grace finished work. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me come on. It's a real honor. Yeah. God bless you guys. Uh, some of you guys want to jump on Sunday night. We'll be on six o'clock just to our online fellowship. But thanks so much again, Dr. K. Go to Amazon, uh, pick up some of those books. You'll love them. You'll love them. It's really, it, it'll, I always share it, the, the the gospel is way better than what we were taught. Yes. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks, Dr. K. Have a great weekend. Thank you, sir.